You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas begins a new series called Paranormal. Now looking at demon possession and exorcism. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. What does the Bible say about demon possession? It's a popular topic, and not only in the Christian world, but in fact all over the world. Because belief in possession by evil spirits has been common throughout the history of mankind. This makes its absence in the Old Testament all the more surprising. Demon possession was mentioned in the surrounding cultures, for example, in Egypt or Samaria, Mesopotamia, Babylon. It was very common. And yet there's not a single clear case of possession in the entire Old Testament. Of course, one possible exception is the evil spirit that tormented Saul. And yet, Even in Saul's case, it is never said that he was possessed, just that an evil spirit from the Lord was tormenting him. So without a single clear case of demon possession in the Old Testament, how do we explain this? Was God protecting his people? Was it the case that demons had access to those who are outside the covenant people of God, but the Israelites were protected? Or was there no real demon possession? Were the stories from the surrounding cultures simply superstitious? When we come to the New Testament, we find even more mysteries. While there are many cases of possession and exorcism in the New Testament, they tend to be in the early parts of the New Testament. That is, we find them in the Gospels, in the earlier parts of Acts, but virtually nothing after that time. Exorcising demons was actually part of the apostolic mission. Though most of us play that down, Jesus chose the apostles in Mark 3 so they could be with him and he could send them out to preach and that that they could drive out demons. Well, where do all these demons come from? We don't read about them in the Old Testament times. We open the pages of the New Testament and they seem to be everywhere, at least in those earlier years. Some have suggested that God allowed Satan more presence, more power, so as to preserve a certain symmetry, so as to play fair, not play dirty. And what I mean is, at the time that the Son of God came to the world, the balance of the scales was certainly tipped in the favor of righteousness. So perhaps the Lord was allowing Satan a bit more leeway, allowing him to be more active, demonically speaking, uh, to, to compensate uh, so that uh, there was no uh, distortion or imbalance in influence or free will, something like that, some kind of a symmetry. Others have said, well, the demons came into the world at that time, or maybe they were there all along, but through the apostolic mission, they were driven out. They were exercised. There was a kind of a mopping up operation, and after that first generation with Jesus and the apostles, and maybe a little bit longer, the demons were all driven out. And I think that remains a possibility as well. Now, there are stories of demon possession later than the apostolic period, even from the second century. So I'm not quite sure how to process all that. But it does seem to me that if, 
if there were a limited number of demons and uh, the apostles were commissioned to deal with them, to exercise them, that if they were successful, that number would be reduced and perhaps even eliminated. I have, to be honest, heard some blood-curdling stories uh, of an occult nature, stories of demon possession from Asia. I, I even recently heard a story of possession from the United States. But I've had no direct experience. Even though I'm taking the initiative to record this podcast, I've never seen anyone I believe was possessed, nor have I performed an exorcism. I once even heard a story of a Christian being possessed. That is, someone who was a true believer in Jesus Christ. I'm not really sure, though, how that squares with 1 Corinthians 10.13, where Paul says that the Lord doesn't let us be tempted uh, by anything that's beyond our power to resist. So I don't really see how a true Christian would be possessed by a demon. Once I watched an exorcism. I thought you said you didn't have any experience. Okay, not directly. I watched an exorcism on YouTube. And this was a girl, she looked to be around 12 years old, who was being exorcised of her evil spirit by uh, a religious leader, by an imam. Uh, She was a Muslim. To be honest, looking at her face and listening to the sounds... It didn't seem very impressive to me. There was nothing about it that made me think, this is a miracle. And I become even less impressed when I hear the way that possession is described in many circles uh, in Bible-believing churches. People talk about demons of, and then you fill in the blank, a particular sin. Well, this guy has a demon of laziness, or this woman is suffering from a demon of pride or arrogance. Or perhaps this man is tormented by a a demon of lust. Well, does that mean that every sin has its own demon? That's quite an interesting thought. It would definitely give credence to the popular saying, the devil made me do it. I mean, if you had a demon of oversleeping, who could blame you? At least who could be too hard on you if you ignored the alarm clock in the morning? But the personifications of sin, demonically, are not found in the New Testament. Or the old. I don't anywhere see that the Lord would send us a, a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of laziness, or that we're controlled by a spirit of pride or um, uh, something like this, a spirit of drunkenness. We've got to take responsibility for our own sin. And so the sloppiness of the theology today, the technical word is the demonology, but the sloppy demonological thinking in many evangelical circles really concerns me. Uh, because, uh, it, of course, it's easier to say that it's just a, a demon doing it, but that's not the language of the New Testament. If, if that's the case, why is it not explained that way in Scripture? There are, in fact, even more differences between biblical demonology and what I could call pop demonology. Let me mention a few of these. Uh, demon, uh, demons and, and, and exorcisms today, and let's assume that they're real for the moment, are, are typically carried out in very spooky environments. Um, they'll be secluded environments. It, it'll be in the dark. Later on, there'll be uh, some uh, publicity that will come. But, but often the details are quite murky. When Jesus drove out demons, uh, the episodes were absolutely in the public eye. They were subject to critical examination. When Jesus exercised, 
there was no question, did he exercise a demon? What happened? I mean, think of what happened in the, in the Gentile region where he drove the demons out of legion into the pigs as just one of many examples. So this is not a story that your uncle Joey told you he heard from a friend of his who visited Indonesia. These are things that, that, were, that were well known. They were well attested. They weren't second, third, or fourth-hand stories. Another thing we see is that in the New Testament, exorcisms happened uh, immediately. Uh, the Lord could expel evil spirits with a single word. Uh, same with the apostles. Well, actually, that's not totally true because there's that one time where the boy, you know, they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and the apostles couldn't do it at all. But the exorcisms we see take place with a word. Uh, it wasn't multiple attempts. It wasn't, okay, we, 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 you know, we said ten incantations and, and three prayers and, and we sprinkled holy water four times and we think the girl's two-thirds exercised now. It wasn't like that in the Bible. The, the demons just came out. Another thing is that the physical characteristics of the possessed in the Scripture were certainly unusual, but they weren't, how can I put it, they weren't uh, magical or miraculous. So we see a man who's possessed by demons who breaks his chains. He's very strong, but he's not flying through the air. Uh, uh, We hear stories today about uh, uh, people who are possessed and uh, fire is coming out of their eyeballs or their their skin turns uh, green, or their teeth become transparent. You, and it, certainly this is uh, popularized even more in, in all the movies that are made uh, about exorcism these days. But we don't see this in the New Testament. So we might see the, let's say, the exaggeration of a typical human characteristic, maybe the ability to shout or to, uh, to, to flex one's muscles, but not bizarre things like flying in the air or even speaking with multiple voices. It seems today that uh, you, you, you would think a demon-possessed person would be speaking in, with several voices, one voice for each demon. Or maybe it's uh, one voice for the demon and one voice for the sweet girl that um, he's taken possession of. I don't see that in the Scripture. I just don't see it. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just haven't seen it. And, and here's one more thing. Uh, typically, when we hear about uh, possession today, we hear about the possessed person uh, uttering uh, the most profane blasphemies, uh, cursing God, uh, using terrible words, words that would make a sailor blush. Okay, in the New Testament record, demons are respectful of God. Uh, Look at the way they speak to Jesus, for example, in Mark 1 or Mark 3. The demons are respectful there's not a single biblical passage where you see a demon blaspheming God or slandering Jesus. Uh, if anything, it's the opposite. It's, uh, I know who you are. Have you come to uh, torment us before the appointed time? Uh, please don't do this to us. Please send us here instead. Or, uh, you know, I, I, I know who you are. I, the, the words that the the demons said were not disrespectful and they certainly weren't full of blasphemy. So I don't think you have to understand everything about what appear to be demonic phenomena today in order to recognize that it's not necessarily the same thing 
that we read about in the New Testament. Now, doubtless, the enemy works in many ways. I believe that there's an occult world, there's a dark world. Uh, both Testaments are, are, are full of warnings to us to stay away from it. We stay away from it for a reason. It can mess with our head. Uh, it can, in a way, we give it power by, by believing in it. Our credence gives it power over us. We also stay away from it because it's real. The way that you stay away from a high-voltage electric wire that's uninsulated, you stay away from it because if you touch it, uh, a terrible thing could happen. Well, I have no doubt that the enemy works in various ways. But I do think we have to be careful before we go around making biblical pronouncements on things we've seen or heard, especially when the details don't match up with the biblical record. Well, these are my thoughts on demon possession. Again, I admit I have no direct experience. They are opinions, hopefully informed by scriptures. At the very least, we all agree we are to stay away from the occult, to heed the warnings found in both Testaments, to understand that there is a dark world. There is an enemy, and he does work through other agents. We're not told how he does that, but we need to have a healthy respect for the danger that is there and a healthy fear for our Lord. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on the paranormal. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.